0: Hello, my name is Brandon Boat, and you're listening to the Theater of Public Policy Podcasts. These interviews were recorded from the 13th season of our live show at the Brian Lake Bowl in Minneapolis. Every show features an interview on an important issue and then an improv comedy performance based on that interview. You're listening to just the interview from one of those shows. We'd also like to thank our media sponsor, MinPost, which provides reader-supported news and analysis. You can check them out at www.minpost.com. Today, we're talking legal and ethical issues surrounding the presidency. Our guest was Richard Painter, a lawyer and the S. Walter Ritchie Professor of Corporate Law at the University of Minnesota. He's the Vice Chair of Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington. He was the Chief White House Ethics Lawyer in the George W. Bush Administration from 2005 to 2007. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you so much for being here. We're tremendously uh, honored to have you
1: here. Thank you so much.
2: Thanks for having me. Uh,
1: I, I wanted to start. There's all kinds of current events to talk about, but I want to talk a little bit about you were the chief White House ethics lawyer uh, in the George W. Bush administration. Uh, some people, a worse comedian than me would say that ethics lawyer is a contradiction in terms. But can you just say sort of like what, what was that job? What were you
2: doing? Well, uh- You're supposed to have some ethics in the White House. It's it's generally a good idea. And, um, uh, you know, we didn't have uh, the complicated issues they have to deal with today, for example, the president owning a uh, hotel down the street and so forth. Uh, But uh, we did have some of the same issues, Uh, for example, very, very rich people who want to come and work in government. Uh, So I, for example, would have to tell Hank Paulson, Uh, You know, If you want to leave your job as chairman of Goldman Sachs, uh, first of all, you'll take a pay cut. Uh, We don't pay uh, a couple of million a year Was that a surprise to him? Uh, Yeah, not really. Did did he let – oh, really? Yeah, Uh, Yeah, he was bummed out. And I said, look, the other thing you're going to have to do, you're going to have to sell the Goldman Sachs stock. Yep, all of it. All $600 million. I, I really I felt bad for him. Uh, I've not been in this situation having to get rid of $600 million worth of I, Goldman Sachs stock. I, when saying, hard. Was yeah. this
1: actually your job? Were you like yeah. the person like,
2: oh, Hank, oh, yeah. buddy. Uh, he had talked to me before it was public that he was going to be Treasury Secretary because if he wouldn't sell the Goldman stock and give up the options, he couldn't get the job. Uh, but I did tell him that you have a special tax advantage. If you sell the stock because the big bad ethics lawyer, thats me, tells you you have to, you don't have to pay capital gains tax. No. You actually get to roll it over into the the, the good stuff, the conflict-free type of assets, and you don't have to pay your capital gains tax. And did, it, did his like, frown turn upside down? Yeah, he, he was happy about that. And uh, <laughs> that was about $60 million, so I had to work through that. And, and selling Goldman Sachs stock in 2006 was a lot better than selling in 2008, too. I said, <laughs> like, hey, we worked a great deal there for you. Uh, now all you know, all heck's going to fall apart. but. <laughs> That's a whole different story.
1: And so uh, one of the things that I think has... Launched a lot of the interest in tonight 's show and and your personality in general is just you you are you 're a lifelong republican you were part of the george w. Bush administration, and yet now uh you're you complain all the time about republicans like i mean what well, changed why been, why are you
2: so mean now i 've been complaining my whole life about everything i guess but they uh, <laughs> nobody ever heard me i guess before i mean uh, i don 't know what 's going on the you know we trump uh whatever. I, I used to practice the law in New York, and I just remember in the early 90s when all the New York banks got ripped off. They have an mm. annoying habit. The New York banks, they want to be paid back. And uh and then he went borrowing money we didn't really know where and in what currency and we still don't know where and in what currency. Wait, can um, you say
1: more about that? Like yeah. what were some of those things that were happening? In well, the well, he built b- b- this law. huge
2: casino down there in New Jersey and he had 900 million dollars worth of bonds and he put in about 70 million of his own money. That's a pretty good ratio. Uh and he left the bondholders uh hanging out dry and,
1: because he declared bankruptcy on yeah, those on, the hotel. on the hotel. He never personally yeah.
2: declared bankruptcy. Oh, no, no, no. He had the company declare bankruptcy. And
1: so you were yep. representing people who were I knew connected. a lot
2: of the bankers who got stiffed on that deal. And all I know is that nobody in New York wanted to loan him any money. So he had to go, um, I don't know what countries he went to borrow money. That's a whole other <laughs> Just thing. hypothesize wildly. That's Bob then. Mueller's problem to sort out. <laughs> But we've been dealing with this with, with Trump for for twenty years. We never know where he's getting the money because everybody in New York didn't want to loan him any money. And the same with Kushner too. But that was because the old man had a jail record, and that was a whole another problem.
1: I'm I'm so tempted to follow that line of inquiry, yeah. and yet I want to come back to so okay. uh, again. I, I I did. We talked a little before the show, and one of the things I wanted to ask was just. Why? Why? And people will groan when I say this, but why should we care if uh, it's ethical? Uh, if the White House is ethical, or if anybody's ethical? Oh, right? Like, well, we I know care. people oh, care, don't. but I feel like well, I, so. I, I'll. I'm, I, mean, I. I have a former philosophy professor yeah. in the audience, and I will. I mean, he would encourage us to really dig deep, yeah. probably, and yeah. ask very specifically, like, make the case that ethics yeah. are important. What? Well, what is ethic, the point?
2: ethics are important. It's not as important as whether the Secretary of State used the wrong email account. I mean, that's, that's the major – we really got to worry about that. Right. You know? That was, that was major unforgivable. Issue, but issue. Um, but but after done locking her up along with Jared Kushner and everyone else, you use the wrong email. I guess a different standard there. But anyway, uh, uh, you know, uh, there's a problem when you got people uh, running the country and uh, uh, spending, uh, you know – Billions of our taxpayer money who have no ethics, who are just trying to uh, make themselves rich or their friends rich or their campaign contributors. And I'll tell you, this problem is going to outlive Donald Trump if we don't fix our campaign finance system. It's just one great big cesspool. It's nothing but a cesspool.
1: Is there uh, – you hear some folks who are defenders of uh, President Trump say, well, uh, people knew that he – you said uh, it goes back to the 90s. People knew he was like this, and they elected that. They were like, well, he's unethical for me, uh, so that's okay then. I'm curious I, – I mean – how does this sort of like this ethics standard uh,
2: connect or potentially conflict with the dem- democratic standards? So the theory is that the more unethical the person is going into the election, the more leeway they get after the election to uh, rob, cheat, and steal. Okay, well, that's an interesting theory, but I thought we elected a president to adhere to the Constitution of the United States and and that if he had some uh, – uh, difficulties in his past, we might say, that he would reform himself and be a good president. Now, I didn't buy a word of it, but apparently enough voters did to put him in the White House. But that doesn't mean we' we'll change the constitution or change the ethics rules or say that the President can have foreign money coming into his hotels and all sorts of stuff.
1: and was. why the just again because we're going to st- i want to talk about the the lawsuit with yeah. crew and whatnot why specifically is that question of you know uh, the foreign money coming into a trump business or a trump oh, uh, yeah. uh uh
2: hotel a problem why is that why should we all be concerned with that well for the same reason the founders were concerned with it they put it in the united states constitution they put in a provision there that says no person holding a position of trust with the united states government can accept any presence or emoluments uh from any foreign government or any control entity controlled by a foreign government and the uh, emolument latin i spoke a lot of latin those days uh, meant a uh, 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 profit or a uh, benefit. I mean, these days, I guess, uh, if they drafted the uh, Constitution in Chicago or in Illinois, where I was growing up in the 70s, they called it the payola clause of the Constitution. But, yeah, but it's, why? Why it's the that same matter? idea. I mean, the idea is that the Founders, though, there's no point having an American Revolution and throwing all that tea, King George's tea, into Boston Harbor and then you're going to fight a revolution, have a country, and then the elected president of the United States is buying its own teeth from King George. All these rich uh, European powers were very well versed at trying to buy off people in other countries. Uh, the British Parliament was being brought off by the King of England, and then the King of France was playing the game too. He was buying off the the House of Commons over in Great Britain. And then the other big powers at the time were uh, Austria, Hungary, and there's a fourth one, uh, Russia. Oh yeah, we'll get back to them later. Um, wow. they, they've been bad good boys for a Setting yourself up—that was oh, good. Yeah. Uh. Uh, so you say, what's going on? I mean, the founders understood that foreign governments would like to jack us around and by by uh, buying off our politicians, I mean, that's and that's so part of the course. It's it. A-
1: Again, going to sort of a legal standard, is that that you need to prove that just someone is being – that someone is investing or trying to buy
2: someone off, or do you have to prove that there's a quid pro quo? Well, quid pro quo is bribery, but the problem is you can't prove the quid pro quo in a lot of these situations. That gets me back to campaign finance, by the way. Uh, but, right. Uh, so, like, if I put a, yep. if I put tons and tons of
1: money, uh, I mean, because actually, yep. there's almost a defense here I can imagine for Trump. Just like he's dishonest to everyone. Like maybe mm-hmm. Russia put a bunch of money into him, and then he's just hapless and can't actually do any of the things that they want him to do. So, just by incompetence, yeah. he's innocent. Yeah, but
2: they. they... Well, uh, that's true. He 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 might. He might double cross uh, uh, Vladimir Putin, but Putin may have the PP tape, and that could be a problem too, you know? I I I don't
1: know. Surprisingly, this is the first time PP tape has ever been said on our show, and it was by a White House
2: ethics lawyer. So, uh, we we did not have to worry about such tapes under the George W. Bush administration. He went home, he went to bed every night at 9 o'clock like a good boy. I even saw him leave parties early.
1: So yeah, And this is actually a very – because, uh, again, one of the things that I will say, uh, there's, there's the law and there's the Constitution. I'm a big believer in that norms are incredibly important, and that's one of the yeah. things I see changing a lot. And so I'm wondering if you can talk about uh, just uh, what is different from when you were in sort of the White House and what's happening now in terms of those norms, not even worrying maybe yet about – the potential breaking of laws or whatnot, but what are you seeing just like, what you would have never even thought about it uh, at that time, and now it's just sort of like, oh, well, you know, now times have changed.
2: Well, yeah. there's plenty of bribery going back on back then. It was just campaign finance. And by the way, that was before Citizens United. So anybody who thinks that the world before Citizens United was a good one was, uh, really didn't live in the early 2000s. I mean, we had uh, the quid pro quos. They were expected from the campaign contributors, and I'd always try to, try and keep the campaign contributors from getting in the White House. Uh, and they're of course operating up in Congress too. So uh, it certainly uh, has not been a good situation over many years. But I think it's just getting worse and worse. The voters are getting used to the idea that everything's a quid pro quo in government. And so now we have the big fundraisers, the campaign contributors and all that stuff going on. But they'll have the party over at the Trump Hotel so the president gets a cut. So I mean, it's, it's just getting worse. But I'm not going to tell you it was that much better yeah, 10, 15 years ago, or 30 years ago. Oh, good.
1: Uh, so, um, so you're part of. Uh, I mentioned in your introduction, uh, crew. Uh, you're a, a lead person with that. Can you just talk? So, and we've already talked a little yep. bit about this emoluments piece. So can you just talk us through what is this
2: lawsuit that uh, is going through? Who is actually bringing it, uh, and well, we got what a, is the hope? This administration has a lot of lawsuits going on, big time. Um, well, they got three lawsuits just over this issue of foreign government money coming into the uh, – into the Trump business empire. One of them is our organization, Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington, and I am vice chair of that group. I also counsel on the lawsuit along with Lawrence Tribe uh, from Harvard Law School. Uh, he's a constitutional law expert, Norman Eisen, who's a former chief of ethics lawyer for President Obama, and we have a whole team working on that. There's another lawsuit brought by members of the United States House and Senate, who were not consulted about the uh, foreign government payments, that is required under the Constitution. You can't accept the foreign government money without the consent of Congress. Well, these members of Congress weren't consulted, uh, so they brought another lawsuit. Now, they're all Democrats. It's too bad I can't get any Republicans to agree that unconstitutional behavior in part of the president is not acceptable. See, that's um, a
1: really interesting piece, though, because I, I, I do... This, this constitutionality piece is so challenging a lot of times, because it does seem to, like, come down to partisanship so often, right? Like, in that we uh, are furious about uh, unconstitutional things when it's the other side, which is probably why people are so interested in hearing from you because you're willing to call out your own side. But I guess how... If you and, – and this is maybe a bigger existential question, but, you know, how, how do we sort of develop that ethics standard to say we're going to call out people on our own side too when these things happen?
2: Well, you've got to do that. I was – I was oh, – about this time last year, I was looking forward to a good four years of calling out uh, uh, Hillary Clinton and all this stuff. <laughs> oh, boy. I mean, you know, you would have found a, you know some petty larceny here and there. I mean, they are making mess we had under the Clinton administration – uh, and instead, I ended up with Grand Theft Auto. I mean, <laughs> whoa! Um, I mean, this is a mess. Um. Yay!
1: So, uh, going back to the the um, th- this lawsuit with
2: crew so it's
1: yeah. it is is it a it's a constitutional lawsuit is i i well, we are, I
2: have as, a law yeah degree. we want a judge from the southern district of new york we ask the judge judge daniels in the southern district tell the president what money you can keep from foreign governments and what he can't I and mean, it's not just the people running the hotel rooms and the ballrooms and for whatever hanky-panky goes on in there but it's also about the financing of the trump business empire it gets you back to this problem that in the real estate business you need mostly debt capital and all I know, having worked in New York, and practice law in New York, done real estate deals in New York for five years before I went to law teaching, the one thing I do know is that nobody in New York who has any money wants to loan it to Donald Trump. So the question is, who's loaning him the money? And you know, uh, is it foreign government money, and if so, uh, that needs to be sorted out. We know the Bank of China has a big loan outstanding on the uh, uh, some of his properties, so that's run by the. Do government. you have to for something
1: like this lawsuit? Well, there's two questions I have. I mean, one, do you have to prove that there's some sort of harm that?
2: Yeah, that's 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 a challenge proving standing in federal court. It's, it's tough, and we we have to prove that our organization is uniquely situated to bring this lawsuit, and that we've suffered harm to our mission. Uh, the second group of plaintiffs, as I say, is the United States Congress uh, people. I think they have a unique argument. Is The Constitution mentions Congress. There's a third lawsuit, by the way, which is brought by the Attorney General of the State of Maryland, Attorney General of the District of Columbia. And the State of Maryland was uh, one of the original 13 colonies. And, you know, you go into the Constitution, it's sort of a deal. I mean, the, and it's, Once you go in, you can't get out. We went through that in the Civil War. So, <laughs> so Maryland comes in, and they give up all this power to the federal government, And that's the deal in the Constitution. Well, you'd expect that the uh, office holders in the federal government, including the president, would do what the Constitution tells them they can do and wouldn't do what the Constitution tells them they can't do. So we've got three different lawsuits. I'm going to see who.
1: So uh, talk us through what is the harm? Again, like uh, going back to that original piece, if the president is unethical, (laughs) if uh, they are getting money, what is the harm that you're arguing?
2: Well, we don't know what the harm is with foreign governments, but I can imagine the various scenarios if the president of the United States, whoever it is, happened to be dependent on China or Russia. Yet Russia, once in a while, has tried to interfere in the um, in the politics of uh, other countries. They've been doing it for about 100 years. Um, and uh, that this would be a pretty serious problem, because uh, the last time I looked in the Constitution... The president and our office holders are supposed to be elected by American voters, not by people from some other country. I mean, Vladimir Putin doesn't get to choose who the president of the United States is, or at least I thought that was a rule. Uh, I'm. I have a. I have a few different ways
1: I could go, but I actually want to talk a little bit about you personally. So, as we said at the beginning, you, you're you are a lifelong Republican. We talked a little bit downstairs. You're an Illinois Republican, yeah. which is. Uh, somebody said wow well I
2: grew up I grew up in Illinois I I was young I went out east for a long time to school went back to Illinois to teach at the University of Illinois I Grew up downstate, and uh, down in central Illinois, downstate, most people were Republicans, regardless of their views on issues. A lot of people were, and up in, except for the way in southern Illinois. It's a whole other story. Um, but in Chicago, of course, you vote early, vote off, and vote Democrat and all that. And uh, Illinois is a great state for ethics. It really is. We've had... Uh,
1: I think it's a great state for ethics oh, lawyers. Oh, absolutely. Uh, uh,
2: we had two two governors of Illinois... One Democrat and one Republican serving their terms concurrently. Yeah. Do you yeah. think they're in the, in the federal penitentiary. So, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, we've had some problems in Illinois over the years. That's definitely true. Minnesota is great by comparison. I thought it would be boring teaching government ethics up here, and then Donald Trump came along. So, so uh, I,
1: I, I'm... Fascinate. What? How has this changed, I guess, your uh, relationship to that identity then? I mean, uh, how have you changed? How has your relationship with your political identity changed?
2: Well, my my views haven't changed that much over the years. I mean, I think we just got a, some nutcases who gradually, <laughs> gradually got more influence than one of our two major political parties. So we have it, I, someone like myself has two choices. I mean, of course you can jump ship, and then you leave one of the two major political parties in control of the real nutjobs. And you think about Roy Moore as president of the United States. Oh, gee. Oh, boy. That guy knows less about the Constitution than he does about the Bible. And that's not much. Um, so, you know, this is a, this is a problem. If, if, if all the reasonable... This, well, this is how you get into this situation. All the reasonable people bail... And then right. what kind of whack job shows up for the primaries Or here in Minnesota The So caucuses. does that mean you
1: still Do you still consider yourself a Republican? Well I'm going to
2: show up and vote in whatever primary caucus I can To try and minimize the number of nut jobs out there Yeah <laughs> you, don't, you don't want to hear about my congressman do you? Ooh. I do. Uh, where I actually, I don't know where you live. I live in Mendota Heights. We got a wonderful Hi. congressman named Jason Lewis. Um, now, now, Jason, <laughs> now this is the deal with it, Jason. I mean, he does. He he still half the population. He thinks only wants to know where they can get the next diaphragm from. So he said that publicly. Yep, yep. Oh yeah. <laughs> and then he's still sort of on the wrong side of the Civil War. Well, we knew that going into the election, and then we got Jason. And I'm still wondering what Jason's going to do to fix our problems. Uh, you know, whether it's gun control or anything else, he doesn't seem to want to do anything, but he's raising a lot of cash, so I guess he'll continue to be our congressman. Oh, whatever. Um, I'm just curious, when you show up for,
1: like, the, you know, uh, Mendota Heights local Republican meeting, are they like, oh, God. Uh, no,
2: boy. You go to the caucuses. The caucuses is a zoo. Uh, at first you, 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 first of all, you got to find which classroom in the middle school, whatever, the caucuses is in. <laughs> Uh, and uh, then uh, you go in there, and uh, everyone's in a very, uh, at least the last time, we were, there in a very sour yeah. mood about President Obama. I couldn't figure out what they didn't like about President Obama. Oh, man, they're in a sour mood. Did you like President Obama? Well, he's an all right guy. I didn't agree with him on everything, but at least he you know wasn't dealing with the Russians. I mean, he was our president. I mean, I, I didn't agree with him on every single issue, but... Uh, I mean, kept himself out of trouble. I mean, the ethics situation is a lot clearer than than the. Uh, See, this is the part, uh, and I right I mean,
1: after the election, I I argued this yeah. with somebody in that uh, it did seem like President Obama, you know, whatever you agreed or disagreed with his politics was a very he lived by this ethics code. He was spick and span. He was a boy well, scout. He, he
2: was from Illinois, and he didn't get indicted. I mean, yeah. gee. <laughs> <laughs> I got to give him points for surviving through the Illinois political system. And
1: yet, it didn't, there's a part of me that's like, and it didn't matter, right? Like, to a lot of people, it was like, well, he's still the enemy, or he's still, and I, and that's the part that really discourages me. And how, well, I I, think
2: Vladimir Putin felt the same way. So, you know, the question is, are we Americans, or are we going to, are we in order to win a political fight here over differences, which really shouldn't be that great, are we going to go and try and enlist a foreign power to, uh, uh, to win an election, I mean that's not the way we ought to do that in the United States. And we, of course, we have disagreements over what the role of the federal government is, or this issue or that. But uh, we're all Americans, and uh, uh, President Obama included, and President Trump. He wanted to behave himself. I mean that's the problem. <laughs> uh,
1: so I. I- and I should say in the second half of the show we open it up for you all to ask questions of our guests but I, I guess sort of you, you're a law professor and you, you work with a lot of students and I was asking you a little before the show I'm curious how that's changed uh, the, the role of being a, a law professor even in the last you know eight months are there yeah. are there a lot more people signing up for your class uh, or
2: yeah. well there are people interested in government ethics but still people wondering whether there are any ethics in government but <laughs> I. Right. It's a, it's interesting. I think our students are very engaged in in the issues at the University of Minnesota. They're going to be great lawyers and I can't wait to see them get out in the in the world and, and serve our country. Uh but I am not happy with the situation we have in in government right now and I think that our generation is disappointing uh, some of the younger people coming along and say, "What kind of a mess are you handing us now?" And so what is
1: the sort of key takeaway thing that you tell your students in terms of finding that moral, ethical compass for themselves.
2: It's about right, what's right and wrong, not whether you're a Democrat or Republican or your ideology. There's too much discussion of that. Right or wrong, you know, either you're sticking your hand in the piggy bank or you're not. And, uh, you know, either you're taking payoffs or you're not. And, uh, you know, if you're a cabinet member, you, no, you fly the commercial area. You don't go, you know... I mean, this treasury secretary having to go to Europe, or he wanted to go to Europe, a taxpayer expense, $24,000 an hour for the Mile High Club or whatever. I mean, this is ridiculous.
1: The Mile High Club? Okay. So anyway, um, on that note... That's what
2: he wanted to do with my money, and I don't like it. On
1: that both both personal and professional note, uh, please, a round of applause, uh, Richard Painter... If you have a question, raise your hand. I will come to you. Hi.
0: So there's been some mentions about uh, foreign interference in the U.S. government, and I was curious about what the U.S. ethics or the White House ethics office might have to do with U.S. interference in foreign governments.
2: Oh, I don't know what they're doing. Is there a White House Ethics Office? I don't know. Is,
0: that's actually a good
2: question. Yeah, is there a White a House Yeah, a guy in house? there, but the last thing that happened is when Kelly Ann was hawking the Bonka merchandise on Fox and & Friends and the Office of Government Ethics got upset, he wrote him a letter saying the, the ethics rules, the federal government ethics rules, don't apply to the White House staff. So uh, I guess that means they can do anything they want. Um I'm sure they're trying to take care of some foreign elections as well, and they're probably maybe working with Vladimir Putin. I don't know what's going on. Uh, We've been doing that, by the way. You know, we shouldn't be too hypocritical about this. The United States has been doing that in other countries for quite some time. And, of course, the Russians have been at it since the 1917 revolution, trying to destabilize other countries' democracies. So it's a Problem around the world.
1: Would that have been something though that came under your purview ever, where it was like, hey, you know, uh, we have this really great guy in, uh, I don't know, Peru, uh, Uruguay, uh, and, uh, we, and would you have, have been in? The- no, they
2: don't come to the ethics lawyer for things like that. <laughs> they, they, they sure. Short- and I came there they uh, I came there in two thousand and five. that was two years after they dealt with where they said well, we had to have a regime change in Iraq and yeah, there were some people pushing that uh, so th- this has been going on for quite some time where we get involved in other countries and they this is the first time where some other countries got involved in in our situation, at least in an influential way
1: okay one last I, and I know that this is audience question time, but I, the one last piece to tie these two together, which is uh, what, what drove, why would anybody bring anything to you? Like if somebody was like, you know, I'm really thinking about something unethical, no, why problem. would they come to
2: you? That's a problem. That, that's definitely a problem. I, I'm the party pooper. I mean, I, you know, I, I was the party pooper, definitely. There's some things, you know, if they want to fire some U.S. attorneys, you know, it's, uh, we had a little problem there. Yeah, I mean, I got to read about it in the New York Times. That was fun. Whatever. And then what did you do? Got upset.
1: Okay. <laughs> Do you have a... So human, uh, who has a hand? Oh, right over here. Oh, uh, I'll come over there. And yeah,
0: right. Hey, Richard, um, what's your uh, what's your chance of success in your lawsuit?
2: I don't know. We'll see what happens. Uh, our, we have to get beyond the standing issue, whether our organization has standing. As I say, there are two other lawsuits: the members of Congress and the Attorney General of the State of uh, Maryland and District of Columbia. And then there's another uh, forum where this should be getting addressed. It's called the United States Congress. Uh, But when they get off their can and they actually do something, uh, and if they don't, they may have to um, get a message from some of the voters into the 2018. But uh, that's where this should be resolved as well. So uh, this is a serious issue, and uh, there are a variety of ways this could turn out, but I don't want to try and project what's going to happen.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: What do you think is the fastest and easiest way to get Trump impeached, number one? Mm. And number two, do you think he's uh, liable
0: criminally for anything that Mueller might come out with?
2: Yeah, well, okay, first question, he bought himself very good insurance against impeachment, at least from all the Democrats. out They talk big about impeachment, but he's got a great insurance policy against impeachment. It's called Mike Pence. Yeah uh and uh, I know a lot of people uh, uh think they could take him out too, but he may have been a little bit too late to get to the uh the Russian shenanigans, and he uh you know' i think walked out of the room every time the word russia comes up uh so I think he's trying to keep himself clean so uh, I think that's one of the realities that uh people have to deal with in this situation um as for uh Bob Mueller well he's going to come up with what he does i Uh, There are a number of people in some serious trouble. I I don't know whether the president, whether he's going to get them for obstruction of justice or not. There are a number of people in very, very serious trouble, and then the president has to decide where to pardon them or not and uh, how to proceed. But uh, a lot of people lied about their contacts with the Russians and done some other bad stuff, so it's Mueller time.
1: (laughs) 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 this continues Does, is it precedent setting if if your lawsuits don't, are not successful, is this behavior what we get to look forward to in the future
2: Well, unfortunately, I think things can spiral downwards or upwards when it comes to ethics, and if the public gets used to it 's not a question as much of our lawsuit but what the public's used to I mean if you got a tape of a guy uh, talking about uh, his approach to uh women i don't want to get too graphic here i've got my kids here but you know oh man uh if we elect him president of the united states after listening to listen to that tape well then you say well uh what's next um and uh we got a certain tolerance of misbehavior by people in high positions and if we put up with it when well, we put up with the next thing so we got to get to a point in this country where we have some standards and we say well if someone you know doesn't meet the standard that's you know, they, they just aren't fit for office. And I don't care if you're Democrat or Republican. It shouldn't be a partisan issue uh, what, you know, what acceptable behavior is, whether it's bribery or sexual assault or uh, taking money from foreign governments or whatever they're doing. I'm, I, I am very willing to
1: come up the stairs if somebody has a hand up there. Oh, good. Yes. Well, all I ha- everyone was just trying to save me from uh, having to come up the stairs. Good. They do have questions up here.
0: Yeah, this is an ethics question, so seemed like the right guy. Um, Hillary, it seemed to me, got sullied on a couple of things: contributions to the Clinton Foundation and speaking fees from uh, Wall Street. And those got to made equivalent with Trump's ethical lapses. And I'm interested in how you see Hillary's actions similar or different from what Trump does routinely.
2: Well, I've had issues with the Clintons over many years. Uh, I think there's a lot of stuff that shouldn't be happening, and I think the standards were low in the Clinton administration, and I thought that Hillary uh, Clinton should have made better decisions about the email uh, server, uh, should have made much better decision about that foundation. At least I urged her in an op-ed in the New York Times that if she won the election, she should part ways with that foundation get her family out of it, change the name, get them all out of it. And They wouldn't do that. They were stubborn as mules about that, the people in the Clinton camp. They thought they were going to win this thing. Uh, but the uh, but the question is uh, one of degree. Uh, the stuff we've had going on over the past eight or nine months, uh, as I say, makes the Clinton stuff look like a parking ticket. So I, I just, I'm not happy with Clinton. Uh, I think Bernie Sanders had a point, but the problem is we're feeling the burn right now, and I'm not too happy about that either, so... So,
1: and this, you do a lot of, you do a lot of media appearances beyond this one, Uh, and... I've done a few. (laughs) And I'm just, because, I mean, a big part of this was that it felt throughout the campaign, like, there, there almost had to be sort of a... A, uh, an equivalency like oh well you know Trump is bad in this way but Clinton is bad in this way or and, and I'm wondering again as uh, somebody who actually teaches ethics how do you how do you sort of try and set a, a scale or some sort of compass for folks to say uh, yes this is problematic but it's totally different than this.
2: Well, I mean, it's a question of degree and how bad things are. I remember years ago I had a student say, well, uh, gee, what President Franklin Roosevelt did with the Japanese internment was as bad as what the Germans did and during the war. And I said, no, it wasn't. The facts are, are very, very different. That doesn't mean that what happened with the Japanese internment was right. That doesn't mean the Supreme Court of the United States was right. We were wrong, and we should learn that. But... We we do need to understand in ethics that there is uh, matters of degree and proportionality and uh, the impact on people's lives of what goes on. How many people were hurt by the fact that Hillary Clinton used the wrong email server? I, I, I don't think the Russians even got in there. Whereas, look, Jared Kushner's running around with, with a phone where he's probably already been talking to the Russians. So the thing's probably compromised. And I don't know what he's been doing with it. So just in the first couple of months, we learn about that. Uh the problems in this administration have been extraordinary. Uh and that doesn't mean you have to defend uh, whatever the Clintons did. But I'm really getting awfully tired of hearing about Hillary Clinton eight months into the into this administration, and the President of the United States is talking about Hillary all the time. And it's like, wait a minute, do your job, buddy.
1: Uh other hands today. Uh, was there another hand in this row somewhere
0: here? I'll just okay just had, and I think you've talked about it throughout, but the issue becomes something that seems so apparently wrong, guilty, and yet we're at a point where we can't seem to move forward and get something done about it. Can you talk about the barriers for something that just seems so obvious regarding ethical violations within the current administration?
2: Well, the uh, biggest barrier right now is Congress, because the way the founders envisioned it in the Constitution is that Congress would be a check on the power of the executive. And I think we've been willing to let the executive branch get away with an awful lot. Of course, it all depends on who's in power. I think Democrats for the past eight years were, you know, very big on executive power and and executive orders and all that, Republicans under President Bush and so forth. But we expand executive power. uh, You know, things like the travel ban and so forth. I mean, there's a lot of power there in the White House that's being used without consulting with Congress, and that's very problematic. Second problem is that the uh, president has a lot of control over the members of Congress of his own political party because he sends the message that uh, if they don't, if they try and exercise any type of oversight, uh, with respect to the administration, or stand up to them, that they'll run some, uh, you know, right-wing nut job against them in a in a Republican primary. I mean, I, I can always find a Roy Moore in Minnesota to run against any of our congressmen if I wanted to, and that's the message. Yeah, you could always find them and uh, put some banner money behind them. So the message to all the Republican members of the House from Minnesota is, you got to back down. I want them just tell me, I'm just trying to keep my head low. I mean, okay, but. That's not what the, uh, the founders envisioned. They didn't draft the Constitution, saying so that the president's violating the Constitution, the members of Congress should keep their head down. I mean, it's uh, not, not I'm working.
1: Just, historically, though, can you uh, – again, it, I, I worry about depressing the audience, but it, has there been a point when you can point to that we've, people have risen above that partisanship? Because even when we look back to something like Watergate – you know, that was a period when people, the Republicans really didn't turn on Nixon until he was like it, he was just sunk uh, more or less yeah, politically. it took a while. It took uh, a while. So uh, how, uh, is there ever been a point when we've just sort of said like, yeah, this is ethically terrible and regardless of politics, we'll rise above that and point it out?
2: It takes a while. I mean, with Nixon, uh, definitely they had to have the smoking gun. But then again, Nixon... Uh, um, uh, I mean, he was a crook, uh, but he was our crook. He wasn't then the Russians. He wouldn't have the KGB do the Watergate job, at least. I mean, there was some redeeming that's, qualities. that's almost endearing,
1: there. I guess? Yeah. I don't know.
2: There There's some redeeming <laughs> qualities there, as they say. He was our crook. Uh, uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it took a while. McCarthy, it took him forever to boot him out, but at least the uh, rational wing of the Republican Party eventually got the upper hand. I mean, McCarthy was sort of the 19. 19- a late 40s, early 50s version of, um, of uh, Steve Bannon. And by the way, his lawyer, Joe McCarthy's lawyer, Roy Cohn, went back to New York after the McCarthy Army hearings, set up a practice, and ended up representing Donald Trump. He's okay. a piece of work.
1: I got a question right here. Yeah. <clears throat> What's the uh, ethics behind presidential
0: pardon?
2: A presidential pardon? Yeah. Well, I guess you can pardon anybody. You can't pardon yourself. I, I, I've looked at that. I don't think they can pardon themselves. Uh, I think a pardon requires you have to pardon somebody else. But under the Constitution, they can pardon whoever they want. Uh, president Gerald Ford, who I think in many ways is a fine president, but he found out the hard way that if you uh, deliver a pardon that the voters don't approve of, you know, don't want to run again for president. Uh, So, uh, uh, but I think President Trump could pardon anyone he he wanted and have it be an effective pardon. I think there'd be a big price to pay if he starts pardoning people in connection with the Russia investigation. Uh, But then again, I thought there'd be a big price to pay if he pardoned a racist sheriff out there in Arizona. And I can't believe it. That guy's talking about running for Senate. Uh, Man.
1: Okay. Josh, do you want to jump in? Yeah. Yeah, So I know there's not a definitive answer, but there's a part of me that wants to go, what's it going to take? If, if you're going to mock a reporter during, during the campaign, and no one's going to worry about that. If you're, if you're going to if you're gonna talk about women, and no one's going to worry about that. And then you're going to come out, and you're going to tweet these things, you're going to say these things. And then you're going to have a staff that says, well, what he meant to say was. And then he says, no, I actually did mean to say that. And then they come out, and they say, well, his heart's in the right place.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. At,
1: at, at what point does someone stand up, or what does he do that is so
2: ridiculously bad that hurts people? Well, I'm worried that we to, need
1: like a priest for this
0: question. Um, yeah,
2: that, that's up to the voters to decide where they're going to draw the line. But, you know, this thing about harassing him, uh, reporters, I mean, with Trump, it was just talk, although some of his henchmen were doing some stuff going on a lot. But then at Montana, they had a special election and elected a guy to Congress who body slammed a reporter. I mean, that's ridiculous. I mean, that,
0: but
2: his heart was in the right place. His know. heart was in the right place. Okay, well, I, I got a question the, right Reporter lost a nice set of glasses, too. Just uh, yeah. just on a logistical level with the lawsuit, can you talk, A, about what precedent, if any, there are that would
1: be relied on in this lawsuit, potentially? And then, B, if we're dealing with unknowns, yeah. we don't know sort of what the emoluments would be theoretically. Can, would the court force disclosure? I mean, what are the logistical next steps yeah, here that, in the case?
2: That's a challenge because there has not been any litigation under the monuments Clause of the Constitution. We haven't had presidents with this situation before. And we've expected the president would uh, would you know hold people accountable to him and work for the president. We haven't had members of Congress dealing with foreign governments. Uh, so uh, we don't have a, a precedent in the, in the courts. Um, and so it's up to the judge to decide. If the judge decides that any of the plaintiffs here have standing, the judge is going to have to look at the facts and then tell the president which payments uh, comply with the Constitution and which ones don't. And then enter an injunction and tell the president, okay, Yeah, this stuff you can't have. Now there are various ways to do it. He can give it to his kids. He can legally do that. I don't think it looks good, but under the Constitution, he could transfer it all to his kids, or he could sell those businesses that deal with foreign governments. Uh, There are a range of different solutions to this. Um, He could also decide he doesn't want the job and would rather play golf. But I guess he's doing that anyway. But um, you know, that's the problem. Uh, He, the judge is going to tell him here the options and. You know then then you got to do what the judge says or appeal it and go all the way up to the Supreme Court or whatever but and we had that with the nixon types and If the President is told to do something by the Supreme Court, he either does it or takes a hike. I think that's what Nixon realized
1: uh, I have one more right here, yeah I think with this administration, we've kind of put a magnifying glass on ethics in a way that people are paying attention to more in detail than they have before and we've kind of realized that there's a lot of areas of ethics that aren't codified, that we've kind of relied on gentlewoman, women and gentlemen handshakes type of thing. Is there anything now with you watching this administration with your history that is there something we should try to codify more? Because ethics really only seems to have power if if you care about negative press and you care about not getting elected again. But if you don't have that as a consequence, we don't really have any other consequences to hand out, and a lot of people feel helpless.
2: It's a big problem. I mean, you mentioned uh, gentlemanly handshakes. Well, after listening to that Billy Bush tape, I thought there's no gentlemen in this business anymore. I mean, this is it, we're we're in a, in a, in a world where where standards really have declined in terms of ethics. I don't know if more rules are the answer. The answer is the public being willing to stand up for basic decency and say no. And, you know, if you if you want to behave this way, that's okay in some other place down at the corner bar or something, but you're not going to do that in the White House. And, uh, you know, we're not going to have the president trying to run a hotel at the same time as running in the country. Take your choice. And uh, the question is, what is the public going to stand for? And if we put ideology or a political ideology or views on abortion or whatever the issue is, it seems to be getting people all worked up above certain basic concepts of decency – uh, and ethics in government, we're going to get a pretty crummy government because everyone's going to come along and say, well, it's more important that, you know, I went on this issue. You know, I need an extra couple of machine guns in the closet. So that's much more important than than uh, the caliber of the uh, people we have in office. And that's what we got right now is people who put ideology and issues before uh, basic ethics standards so we get what we deserve. So to that point – point. I I
1: often ask uh, guests as a closing question, you know, what should People who are here tonight do if they if they're very motivated by this if they care a lot about this and but I kind of want to change it because I'm guessing uh, that there's a lot of folks in this audience who are sympathetic uh, for political reasons uh, about some of these issues as well so I, I almost want to extrapolate it farther if we're buying into you know the notion ethics are important beyond sort of like this particular moment that it's that it's actually bigger in some ways than. This particular administration, who maybe we agree or disagree with, what is it that we should do? What is it that, how should we sort of march forward into the world and think about uh, what our role is in trying to hold everybody
2: or all our leaders accountable to that? Well, vote. And get involved in political parties, uh, both political parties, and make friends with people in the other political party. Uh, we have two political parties in this country. We cannot have one of them be abandoned to complete nutcases. I mean, we're going to have two good political parties. That's where democracy is going to function. You're not just going to have one that works, uh, because what's going to happen then is the voters eventually going to choose the other, because we do not want one-party rule. I've seen enough of what goes on in Chicago to know that. Uh, you don't want one-party rule. You want two good parties... And uh, people ought to get involved in the political parties and hold the uh, the office holders accountable. And just because someone belongs to your political party doesn't mean you put up with shoddy ethics. And it, it just gets worse and worse. And, uh, you know, 20 years ago, we had a president who lied under oath about his sex life. He shouldn't have done that. It was wrong. He shouldn't have been impeached, but it was wrong. Which is said it was wrong and moved on. But, you know, we've got to understand the difference between right and wrong. And now we have lies that are a lot more serious, a lot more damaging to the country. If we don't draw the line somewhere, uh, it's just going to get a lot worse. Uh, and that, that's up to us as voters. Uh, it's our country. On that note, please, a big round of applause. Richard Painter.
0: Thank you for listening. This show was recorded live at the Bryant Lake Bowl in Minneapolis. If you'd like to attend one of our live shows or are interested in working with us on an issue you're passionate about, you can find out more information on our website at www.t2p2.net and on Facebook and Twitter. Also, if you enjoyed the show, please tell a friend about it. Thanks.